Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Go figure. Love is a rather important theme for John, and he puts a lot of emphasis on it throughout the letter that we know of as 1 John. And as you're going to hear today, he does this by drawing attention to the fact that love is rooted in God, who is, in fact, love. And love, as Christians understand it, isn't a human achievement. It is divine in origin, a gift from God. My friends, if there is a message for today that I really hope sinks in or pops out of the out of the scripture, it's that the gospel should be both our model and our motivation for loving others. And with that, we get to a very happy Monday and a keep it a real kind of Monday. Hey, hopeful. Welcome to today's slice of our journey through the Bible together in a year reading through every word of God's self-revelation and considering our own lives in light of that. Now, John's point uh, here once again in the book of 1 John is that this is how we can know with confidence that we are true believers. You're going to hear that right up front and toward the end of our, our time together today or in the New Testament. But importantly, in the middle, you're going to hear that the gospel should be both our model and motivation for loving others. I hope you listen for that because what we do is in response, right? It doesn't start with us. It's in response to something that starts with God. First John chapter four, picking up in verse seven through to the end of the chapter. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. And this is how we know we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his Spirit, and we have seen And we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him and He in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in Him. And in this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. I'm going to say that again, my friends. That's verse 17, second half of verse 17. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. 
There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. All right, friends, that wraps up 1 John chapter 4. We'll wrap up that whole thing tomorrow. And hey, if you didn't catch yesterday's uh, little Sunday reflection, which in this case was an always be ready segment about uh, three symptoms for discerning evil in kind of kind of reflected on or, or worked off of what we read on Saturday with regard to he who is in us is greater than he who's in the world. And I hope you hope you catch that because and then maybe even go listen to that before you listen to what we just listened to. I guess that would be kind of hard to do since you just are listening to this, huh? Can you tell I work without a script sometimes? (laughs) All right. Turning back to our Old Testament segment. uh, Today is just one really long chapter that itself is about the length of two chapters. Gideon, uh, I think as I've mentioned before, is a turning point in the book of Judges, right? From mostly good judges to increasingly sinful judges. And Gideon's legacy of violence uh, and institutionalized apostasy continues with his son, who rises up not as a deliverer, but as a as an oppressor, self-proclaimed king, and interestingly, killing those who might oppose him. Oh, do we look around our world today and see figuratively people killing those who might oppose them? Mm-hmm. Though God rescues his people from Abimelech's tyranny, as you're going to hear today, the next few judges of Israel seem to reflect Gideon's faithlessness, living more like a king than a deliverer. Today we uh, knock down Judges chapter 9 and get into the first couple verses of chapter 10. Abimelech, son of Jeroboam, went to Shechem. And spoke to his uncles and to his mother's whole clan, saying, Please speak in the hearing of all the citizens of Shechem. Is it better for you that seventy men, all the sons of Jeroboam, rule over you? Or that one man rule over you? Remember, I am your own flesh and blood. Pause. Remember that Jeroboam was another name, probably a Canaanite kind of name for Gideon. Okay? That's who we're talking about. Gideon's son, Abimelech, saying, Hey, I should be the one. Continuing. His mother's relatives spoke all these words about him in the hearing of all the citizens of Shechem, and and they were favorable to Abimelech, for they said, He's our brother. So they gave him seventy pieces of silver from the temple of Baal-Bereth, and Abimelech used it to hire worthless and reckless men, and they followed him. So he went to his father's house in Ophrah and killed his 70 brothers, the sons of Jeroboam, on top of a large stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jeroboam, survived because he hid. Then all the citizens of Shechem and of Beth Milo gathered together and proceeded to make Abimelech king at the oak of the pillar in Shechem. 
Now, when they told Jotham, he climbed up to the top of Mount Gerizim and raised his voice and called to them. Pause. Uh, my friends, remember that Mount Gerizim was opposite of Mount Ebal. And you'll remember from Deuteronomy and Joshua that Gerizim was the one where they pronounced the blessings of the covenant. And Mount Ebal was the where the other half of the congregation would would respond with the curses from the covenant, right? So this was a, a significant part of Israel's covenantal history. So Jotham's at the top of Mount Gerizim, and he raises his voice and calls out to the people of Shechem. Here we go. Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, and may God listen to you. The trees decided to anoint a king over themselves. They said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Should I stop giving my oil that people use to honor both God and men and rule over the trees? And then the trees said to the fig tree, Come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Should I stop giving my sweetness and my good fruit and rule over trees? Later the trees said to the grapevine, Come, rule over us. But the grapevine said to them, should I stop giving my wine and that cheers both God and man and rule over trees? And finally, all the trees said to the bramble, Come, reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If you really are anointing me as king over you, come and find refuge in my shade. But if not, make fire come out from the bramble and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Now, if you have acted faithfully and honestly in making Abimelech king, if you have done well by Jeroboam and his family, and if you have rewarded him appropriately for what he did, for my father fought for you and risked his life for you and rescued you from Midian, and now you have attacked my father's family today, killed his 70 sons on top of a large stone and made Abimelech, the son of his slave woman, king over the citizens of Shepham, quote-unquote, because he's our brother, so if you have acted faithfully and honestly with Jeroboam and his house this day, rejoice in Abimelech, and may he also rejoice in you. But if not, may fire come from Abimelech and consume the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo, and may fire come from the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and consume Abimelech. Then Jotham fled, escaping to Beir, and lived there because of his brother Abimelech. Now, when Abimelech had ruled over Israel three years, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem. They treated Abimelech deceitfully so that the crime against the 70 sons of Jeroboam might come to justice and their blood would be avenged on their brother Abimelech who killed them and on the citizens of Shechem who had helped him kill his brothers. Now, the citizens of Shechem rebelled against him by putting men in ambush on the tops of the mountains, and they robbed everyone who passed by them on the road. So this was reported to Abimelech. Gael, son of Ebed, came with his brothers and crossed into Shechem, and the citizens of Shechem trusted him. So they went out to the countryside and harvested grapes from their vineyards. They trampled the grapes and held a celebration, and then they went to the house of their god, small g, to the house of their God, and as they ate and drank, they cursed Abimelech. Gael, son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and 
Who is Shechem that we should serve him? Isn't he the son of Jeroboam, and isn't Zebul his officer? You are to serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If only these people were in my power, I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, Gather your army and come out. Now when Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaal son of Ebed, he was angry. So he secretly sent messengers to Abimelech, saying, Beware, Gaal son of Ebed and his brothers have come to Shechem and are turning the city against you. Now tonight, you and the troops with you, come and wait in ambush in the countryside, and then get up early, attack at sunrise, and when he and his troops who are with him uh, come out against you, do to him whatever you can. So Abimelech and all the troops with him got up at night and waited in ambush for Shechem in four units. Gael son of Ebed went out and stood at the entrance of the city gate. Then Abimelech and the troops who were with him got up from their ambush. And when Gael saw the troops, he said to Zebul, Look, troops are coming down from the mountaintops. But Zebul said to him, Ah, the shadows of the mountains look like men to you. Then Gael spoke again, Look, troops are coming down from the central part of the land, and one unit is coming in from the direction of the diviner's oak. And Zebul replied, What do you have to say now? You... You said, Who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Aren't these the troops you despise? No, now go fight them. So Gael went out, leading the citizens of Shechem, and fought against Abimelech. But Abimelech pursued him, and Gael fled before him. Numerous bodies were strewn as far as the entrance of the city gate, and Abimelech stayed in Aramah, and Zebul drove Gael and his brothers from Shechem. The next day, when the people of Shechem went into the countryside, this was reported to Abimelech. And so he took troops, divided them into three companies, and waited in ambush in the countryside. He looked, and the people were coming out of the city, so he arose against them and struck them down. Then Abimelech and the units that were with him rushed forward and took their stand at the entrance of the city gate, and the other two units rushed against all who were in the countryside and struck them down. So Abimelech fought against the city that entire day, captured it, and killed the people who were in it. And then he tore down the city and sowed it with salt. Now when all the citizens of the Tower of Shechem heard, they entered the inner chamber of the temple at el Berith. And then it was reported to Abimelech that all the citizens of the Tower of Shechem had gathered. So Abimelech and all the troops who were with him went up to Mount Zalman, and Abimelech took his axe in hand and cut a branch from the trees. He picked up the branch, put it on his shoulder, and said to his troops who were with him, Hurry, do what you've seen me do. Now each of the troops also cut down his own branch and followed Abimelech. They put the branches against the inner chamber and set it on fire. About a thousand men and women died including all the men of the Tower of Shechem. Abimelech then went to Thebes, camped, uh, camped against it, and captured it. And there was a strong tower inside the city, and all the men, women, and citizens of the city fled there. They locked themselves in the tower and went up to the roof of the tower. And when Abimelech came to attack the tower, he approached its entrance to set it on fire. But a woman 
threw the upper portion of a millstone on Abimelech's head and fractured his skull. He quickly called to his armor-bearer and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, or or they'll say about me, A woman killed him. So his armor-bearer ran him through, and he died. And when the Israelites saw that Abimelech was dead, they all went home. And in this way, God brought back Abimelech's evil, the evil that Abimelech had done to his father when he killed his 70 brothers. And God also brought back to the men of Shechem all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Jerubbaal, came upon them. After Abimelech, Tola, son of Pula, son of Dodo, became judge and began to deliver Israel. And he was from Issachar and lived in Shemir in the hill country of Ephraim. Tola judged Israel 23 years, and when he died, was buried in Shemir. And after him came Jair the Gileadite, who judged Israel 22 years. He had 30 sons who rode 30 donkeys. They had towns in Gilead, which are still called Jair's villages today. And when Jair died, he was buried in Kamon. And that gets us up through chapter 10, verse 5. So... It's a rather treacherous life of Abimelech. Um, my friends, things are just going downhill. I think if there is a, a lesson in there for us, um, and I know this might be hard to even hear, but it's, it's that there, but for the grace of God, go we. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've done some pretty heinous stuff in my life. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I think we all should recognize that even, right? We want to compare ourselves, right? We want to go, oh, well, I'm not Hitler. I'm not Ted Bundy. My friends, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? Our evil is an infinite offense against an infinitely good God. Regardless of whether it's a little or a lot, it's an infinite, an infinite offense. Easy for me to say. And deserves well it deserves what jesus saves us from so spoiler alert for tomorrow in the book of judges the level of depravity to which the nation has descended comes to a head in the very next section and god's interestingly going to declare that his deliverance of the people will no longer be decisive right so there's this there's this uh progressive revelation of what's going on in the in the, uh, the the nation of Israel right which is right at the moment a long slow slide into uh, into just utter mess all right we're gonna wrap up today in the book of Proverbs for our wisdom segment chapter 24 picking up at verse 13 again continuing on in the section of Proverbs called 30 sayings of the wise. Eat honey, my son, for it is good, and the honeycomb is sweet to your palate. Realize that wisdom is the same for you. If you find it, you will have a future and your hope will never fade. Don't set an ambush, you wicked one, at the camp of the righteous man. Don't destroy his dwelling. Though a righteous person falls seven times, he will get up but the wicked will stumble into ruin. Don't gloat when your enemy falls, 
And don't let your heart rejoice when he stumbles. Or the Lord will see, be displeased, and turn his wrath away from him. Don't be agitated by evildoers, and don't envy the wicked. For the evil have no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear the Lord as well as the king, and don't associate with rebels. For destruction will come suddenly from them, and who knows what distress these two can bring. And that gets us up through verse 22 and this section of uh, the 30 sayings of the wise. So to close up today, my friends, I just want to come back to the couple verses in that first New Testament segment that we read from which I derived today's theme, right? The gospel should be both our model and our motivation for loving others. This is, I'm just going to close and I want to almost close with this kind of prayerfully. Let's pray scripture. First John 4 verses 10 and 11. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. I love you, my friends. I'm honored that we, uh, we take this journey together. Let me know how I can pray for you, would you? I'm serious. Amen. Amen.